Hey everyone, it's Carter, and welcome to this episode of Making It Up, the conversation series between writers. Um, and, and, you know, over time you, you get to realize that there's a lot of... Yeah, the, the the term writer can mean a lot of different things, right? You can be a copywriter. You can write technical manuals. You could be a novelist. You could be a journalist. So many different things that you can do and call yourself a writer. So I'm always fascinated to talk to uh, the broad spectrum of, of them all. And it's, you know, I always say that I think if you are a writer, that will come out eventually, right? <laughs> no matter how much you fight it, at some point, you're going to be a writer if it's truly in you. Um, and for some people, including myself, you know, I was 33 when I started writing. Um, some people start writing in their 50s and 60s. Some people, and I would classify this as very few, know at a very early age, not only is this what I want to do, but this is who I am. And I'm not going to fight that. <laughs> um, and that being a writer. And so my, and my guest today um, really personifies that. So today I talked to Nancy Stolman, who is right here in Colorado near me. She actually teaches at the University of Colorado in Boulder, but she's the author of six different books. Um, and she's the winner of the 2021 Reader Views Gold Award. And her work has been uh, anthologized widely, uh, appearing in the Norton Anthology, New Micro, Exceptionally Short Fiction, and the Best Small Fictions 2019. And her work has also been adapted for both stage and screen. And so what's so interesting about Nancy is she was 10 when she kind of just had this revelation. It's like, oh, I'm a writer. Um, and, and everything that she's done in her life has been in support of that journey, right? At the writer's journey, including, you know, what she studied and the work that she took on. Um, I mean, she teaches writing at the University of Colorado in Boulder. Um, and she's currently, uh, you know, specializing in flash fiction. So, and she'll describe it uh, in the interview, but flash fiction is essentially, you know, micro stories. So stories of you know, as she puts it, a thousand words or less, but even a thousand words um, is is a bit long in the tooth. <laughs> so, you know, and then writing flash fiction really gives you a different lens on what's important in a story, how much to tell in a story, and how to distill things so they, they are as potent as possible. Um, in addition, she does lots of writing retreats. Really, her world is that of a writer. So I was very inspired uh, by listening to her to see like somebody who's just fully dedicated herself to the craft and the world of writing. And not only because she enjoys it, but because she enjoys inspiring others um, to become writers or to um, advance their writing. So anyway, it was a fascinating conversation. Um, I think you're going to like this one. This is my conversation with Nancy Stolman. Hello. How are you? I'm doing so well. How are you? I, I'm doing fine. I, I, I have to caveat this at the outset and say this is a first for me because I have my puppy in the room with me, which I've never done before. So it could turn into a shit show, in which case I will take her out. Um, but right now she's kind of napping. I didn't want to put her in a pen because she had just kind of gotten out and I'm like, she's going to start barking. I don't know. 
I'm navigating tough waters here, Nancy. It's 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 called creativity on the front lines of reality. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So I I, I think she'll be good. Um, And and I was excited to talk to you because we're folder fellow uh, Boulder people. Um, I'm out here in uh, Erie. Uh, Do you live in Boulder? I know you teach at the university. I actually live in Denver, so I teach at the university, but I live in Denver. So, oh, okay. Uh, but you know, we're 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 still neighbors. <laughs> How is that um, drive every day? Ooh, you or it's know, probably not every day, but yeah. And and since the pandemic, it's been way less. But I am a big fan of the light rail, and I'm a yeah. big fan of the flyer. Yeah. So I get a lot of writing done on the commute. I don't have to be angry at traffic, and I can listen to a podcast, or I can journal, or I can write, and it's it's actually a a pretty steady amount of time that I get to engage with my work every day. So I'll I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Now, what do you, what do you teach? I teach writing and rhetoric. So that shows up in many different ways. This semester I'm teaching um, about food and culture. So we're writing about food and culture. We're blogging, we're doing uh, uh, restaurant reviews and we're doing feature magazine articles. And I like to combine a little creativity, a little journalism, Mm. a little smidge of academic writing. But, you know, my goal when I'm teaching at the university is to make the students hate writing less. (laughs) And if they hate writing less, then I have, um, then I have one. So uh, yeah, I'll be teaching some more flash fiction in the fall, though. I just got that confirmed. So I'm excited. That's um, so hating writing less. First of all, that's that should be the name of uh, a book on writing. Um, but it is it is an interesting concept, right? Because, you know, once because part of it is just the inspiration of wanting to write and having the ideas and having the creativities and wanting to express yourself. The other part is the physical act of writing and constructing sentences, which which is hard. <laughs> and I always liken it to working out. It's like you need time to build yep. that muscle because when I first started writing and I had no business writing, but when I first started, it was every sentence was just a battlefield. And yeah. and now the sentences come easily if I know what I want to write about. But right. I mean, that's decades <laughs> of, of, of trial and error. Yeah. It's to me, I think it's about like, like looking at the long-term vision, you know, just like working out is such a, is a great um, metaphor because I think, you know, people want to be fit, but they don't necessarily want to go to the gym, you know, they, and people want to be writers. Mm-hmm. They don't just necessarily want to sit down and write. And I think, you know, um, James, uh, what's his name? He wrote Atomic Habits, James Clear. He's, he talks about the difference between a professional and an amateur, you know, and he's saying like the amateur shows up when it's fun right. and the professional shows up regardless. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the shift for me is that it's like, if this is a long-term relationship with, with creativity or health or whatever, then there's going to be good days and bad days, but we show up. We don't, we totally. don't get discouraged. And, and, yeah. and, and passion still has to be there, right? Because, because you show up regardless because it's a job, but if you don't like your job, it's, it's not going right. to last. So exactly. You, you know, and a lot of people always say and ask, oh, how do you have time to write? How do you do? like, well, you, there's time for anything. <laughs> it just depends on how you want to prioritize it. If you want to prioritize yeah. two hours of TV at night when you could be writing, whatever, that's fine. But don't ever tell me there's not enough time. That, that That's the biggest excuse in the world. There's yeah. always time for something you're passionate about. 
there's always time. And so, yes, on one hand, like you're saying, you could carve out like, you know, how, how, how many 30 minute segments of time do I spend scrolling, you know, useless things on the internet right. that I could be writing or vice versa. I also like to take it from the opposite where it's like, you don't need two hours a day to write. No. And I'm a big proponent of the 15 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day is 30 minutes in two days. It's an hour in four days. And it's not just an hour in four days. It's that cumulative process where we're actually like, building a relationship with our writing. So, you know, we're touching it every day. We're checking in, we're getting to know it. It's trusting us back. And 15 minutes, people will, you know, if they don't have the two hour chunk in front of the perfect window, then it doesn't count. But the 15 minutes, you know, if you think about learning an instrument, 15 minutes a day on the piano, you're going to learn how to play the piano. It's going to take time, but you're going to get totally. So I'm a one hour a day writer. And, and within the, it's not like every, you know, every single second within those 60 minutes is dedicated writing. I might be sitting there thinking, I might be just dazing off <laughs> into the oh, distance, but, <laughs> but with, with an hour a day, seven days a week, I can get a book done and to my editor and, you know, multiple drafts of it in a year. And yes. people are like, oh, that's yeah. all it takes. I'm like, yeah, that's, and that's a 85, 90,000 word manuscript that's going oh. to go to publication. It's not, it's not hard, <laughs> but you, well, I shouldn't say it's not hard. It is hard, but it's, it's, it's achievable. It's, and, and, you know, that's what I teach a lot is I, you know, I, I think, I think there's a lot of writers or would be writers who are just intimidated by the idea of like, because how many people, Nancy, have you met and they know you're a writer? Like, I've always wanted to write. I've got these great ideas. And I'm always fascinated by what is that catalyst between you who will never do anything with it and you who decided tomorrow I'm going to sit down and start writing a book. And, Mm. you know, but, but I think there's a lack of inspiration and accountability that I think a lot of people just need to just have that, at least that initial start. Or, you know, it's, it's kind of that idea of like when the pain of doing it is less than the pain of not doing it, then we finally do it, you know? (laughs) Uh, And you're right. You know, as writers, we are always meeting somebody who's going to write a book, wants to write a book. And my, my first question to them is like, Oh, what books do you read? Oh, I don't really read. I don't have time to read, you know, but I'm going to write a book. Okay, great. Uh, You know, it's so, it's so funny because I don't ever, you know, meet a neurosurgeon and be like, Oh, I'm going to be a neurosurgeon one day, you know, (laughs) like like I'm just going to like pop that out. Right. Right. I wish I had free time to do a little (laughs) neurosurgery. on the side, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I think there needs to be, and Bukowski has this wonderful poem about, you know, if, if it's not burning a fire in your belly, then don't do it. You know, if, if you just right. think it would be cool to be a writer or that you're going to make some sort of great income or whatever, right. then don't do it. There's, there's way there, there are plenty of other choices. Right. And, and, but I think the problem is you don't know necessarily if that burning fire exists until you try it, you can have a strong interest. Cause when I started writing, I, I quickly found out that like, I really enjoy this because it was, to me, it's all problem solving. I'm like, I don't know. Cause I don't outline. So I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen next. And that's so exciting to me is to sit there and just have my mind just kind of in a world trying to figure that out. And, you know, and my first three books didn't even sell, but I I kept at it because not because I was determined to have a book, because I mean, this is 
this is kind of fun. And I think this might be something I want to do with the rest of my life, but I don't think everybody has that who wants to be a writer. No, no. And, and a, a note on the three books that didn't sell, like, I think you need two to three practice books. Totally. And so good for you. You got them out of the way, you know, and I never tell somebody that in their first book that like right. this might be your practice book, but, um, but no, I think you're right. And I don't outline either. And I think um, I'm sure that there are beautiful books written to outlines, but for me, like the joy of it is showing up like, willing to be surprised, willing, Mm -hmm. like, like to be in the mystery of it, to be in that gap of like, I don't really know what's going to happen, but I can't wait to find out. It's like watching your favorite show and you can't wait to find out except you're writing that show and you're in that show. It's funny you use the word joy because that's the exact word I use for that exact situation. And I think if you are not able, if you're a person who needs control, you need to know how it ends. You need to map it all out. You're not uh, comfortable floating around in that like graceful unknowing, then you're probably going to tap out because, you know, you can write a beautiful outline that sucks all the joy out of the process, or you can just like embark on the journey and find out what's going to happen. And everyone's ultimately everyone's different, right? And and there's plenty of successful writers who are plotters or pantsers for sure. But, but I think you you exactly encapsulated it is like, that's what brings me joy is when I sit down and I'm like, okay, now for this hour, I get to be in this world that I don't exist in or barely even think about for the other 23 hours. And I look forward to it all day because of because I get to sit down and just constantly say, what if, and that is so much fun for me and it it can lead to massive disasters, <laughs> but sure. I, I don't think, I don't think I'd want it any other way. No. And, and I try to tell people too, you know, remember, remember your, your actual position in this process, because I think a lot of people get really wrapped up in like, I'm the writer, I'm the genius. I'm a, I need to come up with a great idea. Oh, I can't come up with a great idea. Oh, blah, blah, whatever. And to me, it's like, no, you are like the conduit of a story that's chosen to come through you. And so really your job is to just show up and listen Mm -hmm. and follow that story around with a notebook and see where it takes you. And that just takes so much of the pressure off of us having to be this genius, you know? And, and I think the stories arrive with their own blueprint, their own DNA, you know, and, and that when we get into trouble, it's when we're trying to force it into a different you know, place and it's already arriving with its own, it's, it's like parenting, you know, your, your children come with their personalities, you know, right. you can, you can shape and encourage, but you can't right. force them to right. do something. And you can not. fuck them up too. <laughs> you can definitely fuck them up and you can fuck up your book too. You know? Right. right. Yeah. If you're forcing it or if you're going to, an, yeah. and so what you're kind of saying, which I totally believe in is that trust that your subconscious is active and working and you're not going to have all the answers, but it, it happens every time, you know, 80% of the way into a book, I still won't know the ending. And then when it comes to me, I look back, I'm like, I can't see how there would have been any other ending than this one, but I didn't see it coming. And you you just, and after a while you just have to like, okay, I guess that's just how the, the the human brain works. And you just have to have the confidence to just, uh, you believe in it. And trusting that your stories are smarter than you are. I think the stories that choose to come through us are, um, they're growing us as writers. So we're, we're growing in the relationship with them. And that sometimes, you know, there's a story that's, that's 
arriving that you're like, how do I write that story? You know, like, I don't know how to do calculus and it needs calculus, you know? And yet if you just let it do what it needs to do and you kind of catch it, like you're the midwife catching the baby, um, it will find its way and it will, it'll be the kind of story where, you know, people will reflect back to you like, oh, did you mean to do this with your book? You know, and you're like, no, like that was just like a beautiful like gift from grace. And I'm so glad you saw that in it because the book is right. smarter than me. <laughs> right. And and it's funny because you go back and look at your stuff and like for as much as we hate, I think mostly everything that we write and we're sick of it and we're like, oh, this is terrible. I will sometimes see stuff and I'm like, A, I don't remember writing this. And B, this is better than I think I'm capable of. I don't know what came out of me that that had this one page just be a little bit transcendental, you know, even though I hate the rest of it. And it's just a weird feeling of like, I, I you know, I must have been on another level at that moment. And I don't remember it. Or just like the ego is out of the way, you know, like well, that's a hundred percent necessary, right? Is yep. to have the ego out. And not only during the writing process, but during the publication, like the whole, like just... Yep being vulnerable, putting yourself out there, you know, working and accepting and embracing rejection yeah. um, because it's such a learning tool and, 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 and practicing gratitude around, you know, anything that, that comes out of you artistically, I think, yeah. but that's not yeah. always easy to do. So I want to, I want to hear a little, I want to understand a little bit about your, your journey as, as a writer. So where did you grow up? I was a military brat. So okay, I grew so up all, over the, all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all over the place, including overseas for my young childhood. So I lived in Germany and Spain, both in my young childhood. So I didn't come back to the US until I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I went from like Germany and Spain to Nebraska. Yeah, so yeah. culture shock there. And then, uh, yeah, so uh, I kind of grew up all over and... Um, really appreciating the world as a big place and that, you know, that my way was not the only way. And, right. um, yeah, and that, that is like, you know, if I, I am a huge believer in international travel for children and, yeah. you know, if, if, if by 10 years old, you can go to at least one other country and spend a week there and, and it, it opens up your, 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 your worldview completely. And I mean, cause how many people do we know don't even haven't even left their state and, yeah. and you can really see that, that difference in, in kind of <laughs> naivete, I guess. Um, yeah. It's funny. Or, just and like an, or like an ethnocentrism, you know, where it's like my totally. way is the best way because right. it's the only way I know. You right. Know? right. Um, I've talked to several writers who grew up as military brats and it was very much because we moved so much, it was hard to make friends. So I lost myself in books. <laughs> I don't know yep. if that was the case for you. Definitely. Yeah. No, books became friends. And I was volunteering at the library by age nine. You know? okay. So okay. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I realized I wanted to be a writer by about age 10. Uh, when I realized that there was such a thing as a job called writer and somebody <laughs> was writing these books. And so why not that be my job? Uh, you know, I went through high school, college, early college. I was um, I did a lot of performance. I was a musical theater person for a while, thought I might go that direction always writing all the time though, uh, 
newspaper, high school newspaper, the whole bit. And, um, and then when I decided I did not want to go to Hollywood and, you know, whore myself out, I, um, I instead joined the circus. So I joined the Renaissance Festival and traveled around the country with the Renaissance Festival for about three or four years. And that's when I started like really writing daily, like, like reading deeply, um, kind of embracing, um, uh, the habit that it was going to take to be a writer. And, uh, so yeah. this is all post university. Yes. Post university. And then I went back to, you know, back to school and got graduate degrees and all of that sort of thing. But in, 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 in writing, in writing. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. At Europa. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> those three years with the, the, the Renaissance festival must've, you know, potentially had a, a million different stories <laughs> come, come so out. So many stories. Yeah. Yeah. I have a book called Madame Velvet's Cabaret of Oddities, and it's the book that has the most to say about my years with the fair. Um, you know, just very like, but carnival yeah. life just kind of infects everything I write now. So that's so interesting. Yeah, it's so cool. So after you finish your, so Naropa was the final stop on your mm-hmm. education journey. Yeah. And yep. then what? Well, by the time I went to Naropa, I had already written my practice books. So I was already three books in, you know, at this point. And so what and, what, what did these books w- look like? Were they novels? Yeah. Was it short fiction? They were novels. Yeah. So I've, I've always read novels. I've loved novels. I assumed I'd write novels. Um, and so going to Naropa was my in graduate school. So this was about t- 2007 now. Um and it was it really blew my world open because I went and discovered flash fiction, which uh, flash fictions, for those of you listening who don't know what they are, the the basic terminology would be that they're stories, but they're micro stories. So they're a thousand words or less is the general, you know, agreed upon cutoff, but a thousand words is is kind of quite long in that world. So hmm. 500 words or less or 300 words or less sometimes, you know? And so I discovered flash fiction and, and all the tools that it takes to compress a story, uh, lots of discernment and really using white space, kind of like a poet would do, but, but you're telling stories, you know, and, and it just blew my world open. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, you mean I don't have to say all that stuff that I've been trying to say and go on and on about that? Like I can just like go right for the the heart of something, like arrow right to the heart, you know, right. and not have to kind of create all this like uh, connective tissue around it. And and that just took me, you know, I just went sharp left from there, and hmm. I have been on that journey ever since. So wow. even the books I'm writing now, the new one that just came out, I call it a flash novel because it's a it it covers the scope, you know, of a bigger story, novel length story, but it's written in these compressed pieces, almost like mosaic together. Got it. But, and then, you know, knowing what the world of writing is like, you probably, you know, at some point, like, this is going to be a struggle to write full time. (laughs) I need to get a job. Um, (laughs) At what point did you start like working with CU or were you doing something before that? No, I started teaching in 2009, teaching at, um, I started in community colleges. So I started at the Community College of Denver. I also worked at Arapahoe Community College, moved over to CU in about two, uh, 
2016, I want to say. Mm-hmm. So I've been about seven years there. Um, but even before that, I had started um, doing freelance manuscript editing. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, book doctoring and and consulting with people on manuscripts for a good five years, I would say, before I went back to school and then eventually um, went into academia. But um, yeah, there's there's a lovely exchange that happens, you know, teacher to student. And if you're doing it right, you're learning as you're teaching. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. What was your experience like book doctoring? I, I, I could see that being rewarding, but also insanely frustrating. Yeah. Because I don't know if you're discerning about who is able to hire you, but it could, I mean, because I'm sure there's some manuscripts that are just like, I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. I've done them all. Uh, I've done them all. And yeah, at the beginning I was just, you know, I would, I would sign any, I take on anybody's book, you know, for money. And so it meant that I spent a lot of time with books that I didn't enjoy necessarily, or that were um, really needing like a different level of feedback or, uh, you know, I've, I've worked with every kind of book that you can think of. I've worked with genre fictions and I've worked with, you know, romance and, and espionage and, you know, literary fiction and short stories and everything, everything you can think of. And then even nonfiction, you know, I've, I've worked with, you know, realtor books and spiritual books and memoir, plenty of those. I've probably worked, I probably, you know, at least 500 books had I worked with before oh, I even goodness. went. Because I know that so can many, be very many, lucrative work. You know, I probably didn't charge enough at the time. It kept me going, you know, it paid my bills and fed my children. I wasn't, you know, banking on it, but, um, but it was definitely it, but it was an, it was a great education because having to engage all the time with people's work in, in such a discerning way really helped me become um, a much better editor of my own work and a much better team now. I mean, but I'm sure you ran across I'm just, my mind is whirling with this. <laughs> like manuscripts were, cause they, you know, we've all seen that manuscript or even that partial that somebody wants you to look at. And the first page is borderline incomprehensible. And, yes. you know, not only, I mean, grammatical, whatever it is, it's just like, and you, you think like, I don't know if you can ever get to a point <laughs> where you can, and which is a terrible thing to say, but I think there is sometimes it's just like, I don't know how to work with this. I'm not sure you can evolve to where this needs to be. Do you ever, did you right. ever run into that? For sure. You know, I, I remember a particular manuscript in which I was, you know, it was, it needed so much editing just to become comprehensible. Yeah. So I did that. And I, and the whole time I'm like, I did not charge enough for this, you know? And so, so did you're it, actually right, rewriting it or are you just giving feedback? Um, I'm well, you know, I'm doing like line edits and things like that. Yeah, you know, okay. feed both and and the longer I did it, the less line editing I would do. Yeah. But um and and then I remember giving it back to the writer, thinking like, wow, I really like over delivered on this because I gave her one quote and the amount of work it took for me to get this comprehensible, not even necessarily good, but at least like comprehensible. And she was so mad that there was just so much read you know on the manuscript like i was just supposed to you know give it a high five and move it along so um, now it's a new york times bestseller yeah right yeah Yeah. um and so what what happened with those first three books so you know you're a a proponent of the one or two being practice books Mm -hmm. i assume 
yeah, three practice books, two of them went through multiple drafts, went to agents, you know, all the things. The third one um, went through a couple of drafts, but I didn't necessarily take it all the way to submitting because that's when I entered grad school and started um, learning about flash fiction. So what ended up happening, I would say, with those three books is that, and, you know, it takes me on average three to four years to write a book. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this was a good 10 years of my life just learning how to write a book. And I think what really happened is that in graduate school uh, for my final, you know, creative thesis, I wrote a book, but it was almost like everything I learned in those three books just distilled into this new form, into this new story. It was like, it was like I had taken three running stabs at like trying to write a book. And so then by the time I was in graduate school and, and wrote a real one, which became the first one I published, um, it almost seemed to other people like it was coming out effortlessly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, 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 this book ha- is 10 years in the making in my subconscious. Right. And now here it comes with everything that I've learned. I think about um, Jack Kerouac, the story of Jack Kerouac and in writing on the road. And there's this whole mythology about, uh, you know, he went into the uh, you know, hotel room and he sat down with a typewriter and he banged out on the road in three weeks, you know, and that is true. But what's also true is that he had taken multiple running stabs at writing that book before the final mm-hmm. one in which he wrote it in three weeks. So I think, you know, all that work that we do, that all that unpublished work, it filters in to the work that's finally at the right place at the right time. Yeah. And some of it is just the learning how to be a writer, but obviously a lot of it's about finding your voice and however you want to define finding your voice. Um, Mm -hmm. it's a very intangible thing, but I can look back, you know, nine books later and be like, yeah, I, I, I'm just, I feel in my own, even though actually finding my voice really constituted me starting to write from a a different gender's perspective, um, because it became so freeing to me to not sound Mm -hmm. like me. And that's how I found my voice, but that took five books before I got to that point. Wow. I love that. But it's, yeah, I mean, I, I love writing from a female perspective because it's just, there's something about it that like, and, and the whole, the key is not to overthink any of it. <laughs> the key is just like, it's not really a woman. It's a human. <laughs> so this is what we're, this is how a human's going to react in this situation. And don't think about it too hard. But I I got really tired of people saying, oh, well, you sound just like your main character. I'm like, I don't, I don't want that. I want to be, I, I, I want to write. I don't want to write what I know. <laughs> That's the most right, captivating right. thing from That's why all my books are set in places. Like I have no idea what this place is. Yeah. Do you, when you write from a woman's perspective, do you have like a particular specific person in mind that you use as sort of like a, a like a dowsing rod? Sometimes. I mean, it's never, it's never somebody I know. It might be um, a TV or movie character, but that's usually almost just how they physically appear to me. But the thing is, I rarely, rarely, rarely describe them um, to the point that for one of my books, there was a proposed cover from the publisher and it showed this blonde woman. And I'm like, who's that? And they're like, well, that's your protagonist, Alice. I'm like, okay, I don't know if she's blonde. <laughs> she might be blonde, but I love right. that that's how they kind of saw her. Um, oh. Because I, you know, and maybe this goes to flash fiction a lot. You don't have a lot of you know, time, you don't have space to describe. And right. so 
when I'm going through the editing phase, I love to look at every sentence. And I think you use the word distill. How do I distill these 20 words in this one sentence to four and, yep. and make it so much more potent? Um, and it's not, I can't always do it, but that's the the goal because I think, I think brevity and being pithy is how for thrillers, at least really drives the narrative arc on it. Um, yeah. So you must have quite a perspective on that, right? When you look at a thousand Ooh. words being like, oh boy, you're getting a little long winded here. Yeah. A thousand <laughs> words, like, gosh, kind of like going on and on, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no. And, and I think for me too, one of the exercises I give to, you know, students or flash fiction writers in my workshops um, is to take your piece and, you know, whatever the word count is, if it's a thousand words or if it's 800 words or if it's 500 words, whatever the word count is to cut it in half and just do that as an exercise. So if it's a thousand words, you're going to make it 500 words. If it's 500 words, you're going to make it 250. And just that the, um, the process of forcing yourself to take out half of it you don't have to keep it that way, but, but making another version, which is half as long is such a fantastic exercise hmm. in, in, in really getting clear with yourself about what is necessary and what is extra. You know? And what is the story? And, because I would imagine with a thousand word story, you're like, okay, I'm going to cut out half. It's going to be the same story. You could cut out half and realize, oh, the, the story is actually about this because this is what gravitated to me in this exercise yep. of having this manuscript was, yep. you know, this person's pain about this, not yep. what I thought it was. Yeah. So how many, so I want to talk about the business side of all this a little bit because you, 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 you do a lot and, and you, you mentioned your workshops, you know, are you finding is that easy to find an audience for something like that? Um, do you find yourself constantly wanting to see like what are the, I mean, whether it's about income or just filling um, your 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 desire as a writer to do different aspects of it? What's driving all of that? Yeah, well, I think you know it's evolving, and I think with any kind of business. Um, it needs to be evolving or else mm -hmm. it's going to become stagnant. Um, I don't really do book doctoring or manuscript editing anymore because it was no longer, um, I wasn't growing anymore in that capacity, you know, so that was no longer useful for me, even if it was useful for, uh, you know, income, it just wasn't feeding me. And, you know, I don't have enough years on the planet to do things that aren't feeding me if I can help it. So, uh, yeah. none of us do. So what I'm doing now, um, I'm really loving and I did a lot of, uh, some of it I started before the pandemic. Some of it I, I kind of altered through the pandemic. But um, I do a combination of, of short workshops. So I have a couple of um, one and two week workshops that I'll run a couple times a year. And that will be kind of often the first um, contact that I have with people and their writing, you know. And So then, when you say one uh, to two week workshops, are these, sorry to interrupt, but are these in person there, online? What Online. Yeah, yeah online. Yeah, yeah. Um they're, they're asynchronous in, in that, you know, people don't have to be there at a certain time of day, but I'm live in them, you know, so it's, it's just sort of like a rolling workshop and there's people from usually multiple time zones and countries and all of that. Um, and so those can be just really like a great kind of frenzy of like, let's get a lot of writing done and get really jazzed up. And then I've got a couple longer things that I'm doing. One, I started during the pandemic when I realized it was um, kind of the right time. Uh, and it's a 12 week, again, online, but it's like a 12 week, like, let's get your book idea launched into the world. And so I'm in the middle of that right now. 
And um, so that's going to be for a smaller cohort of 12 or 15 cohort people. And everybody's working on their own books, but it's, it's a, it's a kind of atmosphere of celebration and coaching and, you know, accountability and all the things that people need to kind of get those habits established. So that's awesome. I do that once or twice a year. And then the last thing I do, which I started before the pandemic, and then of course, was certainly affected by the pandemic um, is I teach writing retreats and I take people to different parts of the world and usually my favorite places that I want to return to. Mm-hmm. And we have like a week long retreat. And it's one of these things that, you know, it's a, it's one of those gifts that you give yourself as a writer where you're like, I'm going to go to France and I'm going to stay in this villa and I'm going to hang out with Nancy and 10 other people. And I'm going to write flash fiction or I'm going to work on whatever. And I'm going to just like nurture that creative side of myself. I think it's a gift we should all give each other at least once in our lifetimes. And so it's really fun for me because I love to travel. Obviously I grew up, you know, all over so getting to like put the two together, like writing, teaching and travel yeah. and get to bring people to these places. Um, it's it's pretty incredible. Uh, I've got this year. So two of my three are full already this year. Um, I, I have one in Colorado that's still got spaces. It's in August and it's up in Grand Lake, which is like quintessential Colorado, beautiful yep. August. Like you couldn't ask for a more beautiful Rocky mountain experience. Um, So I've got some spaces left in that one. And, but then I've got one in Iceland that's full. I've got one in France that's full. And, um, and then next year in 2024, I'll have one in Costa Rica that I haven't opened up yet. So well, I love that. It's like living the dream, right? Well, you're inspiring me because this is kind of something that I'm starting to think about getting into, you know, you think about it like, so first of all, writers are so insecure, generally speaking, and I'm no exception to that. And I've been writing for 20 years. I've been well-published, but I'm like, what, what do I, the hell do I have to say to anybody? And I started to kind of come to the conclusion that, you know, because I, I am a little bit negative on, you know, um, you know, books about writing and, and workshops about writing, depending on what it is, because a lot of times it's like, this is how you write a book. And in my mind is bullshit. It's like, it, it's one way. Um, but there's a multitude of ways to write a book. But what I'm realizing is there's so many people who like we were talking about this earlier and you phrased it beautifully, who need that motivation, who need that inspiration, who need to treat themselves and say like, fuck it. I'm going to spend several thousand dollars to go on a weekend retreat. And, but it is going to be the catalyst that's going to let me know if this is something I really want to do. And I deserve to do this. I think there's a lot of people out there like that. And, you know, as the, as the coach, you're there to say, sure, we're going to talk about, um, you know, portions of manuscripts, how to write, how I do it, whatever. But a lot of it's going to be like, this is a community and yeah. we're going to rely on each other and we're going to support each other and we're going to encourage each other. And you're not going to get that unless you do that. So I don't know. I, I get excited thinking about that because I love the idea of somebody just getting motivated to, to take a oh, risk. Yeah. You know? And I think you know, there's the all the all the other parts of it too. So I never have retreats in like fancy places. Like fancy luxury retreats is just not my style. I'm much more like let's get a little gritty. You know, let's yeah. let's really get in touch with the place. So the retreats that I lead are always like very um, you know nurturing and nourishing and 
and real and you kind of let your hair down and and somebody else is feeding you three times a day and you've got lots of space to walk and to nap and to write and to and to think deeply and i think what people forget is that sometimes in order to you know make contact with our best ideas we really have to quiet the world and and so a container in which you can just quiet the world enough to hear your own best thoughts you know that alone is a gift not not even counting the the friends you're going to make and the food you're going to eat and all of that sort of thing you know right 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 it's kind of like a little bit like a vision quest it's like you're not going to be able to have this all the time as a writer but it it, it will provide maybe the 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 launching pad for you but how many times like do you does an idea or a, a, the way that you're going to solve whatever you're trying to write come to you when you're not thinking about it? It's it just like, you, or you're not thinking about anything. And then all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, that's, that just came to me. That yep. and, and, and you kind of train your brain to do that after a while. So yep. I think that's fantastic. You're doing all those retreats. And I think it's a, you know, it. I think it's a great way for listeners to know you know, because I, I'm also on this show can be very, a little bit negative, just about, you know, the realities of being a writer and the struggles and the money or the lack thereof, you know, because I'm very interested in being realistic and, and honest. Um, but if you're an entrepreneur and you're interested in the subject, there's a lot of different ways that you can um, supplement your income by doing exactly what you're doing. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And I love it. You know, yeah. I'm having a good time. Well, you you'd, you'd have to love it. Like, cause it's a, it's a lot of work because yeah. you're developing curriculum, which yep. is not like, you can't just show up and be like, I hope I'm inspiring you. You've got to have stuff to talk about. <laughs> and, yes. and I'm sure like, like your writing that all evolves, the more that you do it and you go and you edit and get feedback and all that kind of stuff. So For that's sure. fantastic. Well, we're going to wrap up before we do, we're going to do a very, we're going to do a flash fiction storytelling. This is probably going to be well less than a thousand words. Um, okay. I, I've picked out three books here. They're all from Colorado authors. Um, okay. And you're going to choose one of them. And we're going to pick a random page and a random sentence. I'm going to read that sentence. And then you just give me one or two sentences next. Then I'll go. And literally after like two minutes, We'll call it. Okay. And we can, this can go in whatever direction we want to go. So, um, okay. We've got Mongrels by uh, Stephen Graham Jones. Um, this is my buddy, um, uh, Shawnee's who wrote Trigger Point and uh, Emily Little John's A Season to Lie. So, mm. choose one of those. I think the first one, I liked the nice yellow cover there. Yeah. Mongrels. So, he's Stephen's a pretty, Stephen lives in Boulder. Um, and give me a page between one and 300. How about, um, 213. Okay. And I'm just going to quickly scan. I used to have it where we would randomly pick the sentence and sometimes it was just. Um, okay. I trust you. <laughs> okay. The prisoner had to gulp his heartbeat down. Yes. The prisoner had to gulp his heartbeat down because he realized that the coyote had actually been staring at him the whole time. He thought to himself, good thing the bars are separating us. But suddenly it didn't seem that that was quite enough because there was a ferocity in that mongrel's eyes that seemed to transcend any physical boundary or border that separated them. 
the prisoner started to sweat. Because the prisoner was now remembering the childhood moment in which he went into that underworld place, the beginning of everything that landed him where he is, and how the coyotes seem to be the guardians of that crossover. So if they're here now, what does that mean? He thought he'd yell at it, tell it to shoo, to go away, but he knew that would be worth a meaningless thing to do. So instead, he just accepted the silence and the energy between them. And he slowly lifted his gaze and scanned the horizon behind the coyotes. And sure enough, just as his brain told him what was going to happen, he saw more dots appear on the horizon. Two, three, now seven more coyotes all coming this way. When they started to sing in that way that just chills you all the way to the marrow and the lava inside of your bones, where you're not really sure if they're singing or if they're warning you. And he couldn't remember now if he's on the inside of the underworld or the outside. Had he slipped back in or was he finally out? And as he pondered these things, the strangest thing happened. A rabbit, a rabbit on the field, seemingly oblivious to all those teeth around him, walked straight through this collection of dogs, and not a single one touched it. And then he had his answer. I think we call it there. Yeah. That was great. That was very fun. evocative. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it's love always that. fun to do. I always say this is it's fun because it's it's like improv. It's the whole yes and is like you have to accept yes my premise and I have to accept yours. And yeah. it's so interesting when two writers do it because I feel like, oh, I've got to, you know, I've got it. This is how I, I think I, it should go. And then you say something different. I'm like, oh my God, yes. That's, you know, it, it's, it just opens your mind to like the possibilities of storytelling in a very short, brief, weird way. But, but every time I do it, I'm like, ah, that gives me this kind of energy rush. Yeah, I love it. That was really fun. I was a little nervous when you said we were going to do it, but I really loved that. Everyone's, I, I get nervous every time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Nancy, what a pleasure to to talk to you and to uh, you know your journey has been is is fascinating to listen to and how you what what I think I've really pulled from all of this is how you recognized at a very 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 early age you know this is not what I want to do this is who I am and you have just let that um, you haven't fought that you know I think so many people fight that. And, and, you know, then they're 50 and then they're like, oh, this is who I am. <laughs> you thought at 10 and you're like, all right, this is the world that I'm going to be in. And this is who the player I'm going to be. And you've just continued that journey. And it's just, it's fascinating to hear about. Well, it's been so much fun to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Enjoy the rest of your week and uh, hopefully we'll catch up in Boulder at some point. Perfect. All right. Take care, Nancy. Bye. Bye. So that's it. That is my conversation with Nancy Stolman. Fascinating, right? Um, and because because she's such a great flash fiction writer, you could you could see that that evidence itself in our storytelling. Like you could just see her brain working, and she she really was able to um, to, to create some um, powerful uh, visuals with very few words in our in our short storytelling. Um, please, please, please buy her books. Go read more about her. Learn about her. 
and about her retreats, you can reach her at nancystolman.com. And if you want to know more about me or all the shit that I do, just go to my website, carterwilson.com. So that's it for now. Um, more episodes of Making It Up, as always, will be out very soon. I'm trying to do it weekly. I'm, we've been pretty much keeping a weekly pace. Sometimes it's, it's a little bit harder to do that. Um, but in the meantime, as always, I appreciate you watching and or listening to this. Take care.